Blog Talk Radio. Uh oh, guess what day it is? Julie. Huh? Julie. Huh? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. Huh? What day is it, Mike? Huh? Woo-hoo! Listen, guess what today is? Listen, guess what today is? It's hump day. Hump day! Woo-hoo! <laughs> it's hump day. Hump day! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And listen to the show every day between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm sitting here with my good friend, Dr. Larry Fedora. And also, we're going to be having some great guests down the road. I'm in the process of talking with John Hinteracker, who is the editor of Powerline Blog, one of the most popular conservative uh, journals, and as well as he is also the uh, uh, president of the Center for American Experiments. So we're looking to see him in the next week or two, among other things, and we're trying to have other guests as well. And but, so, but tonight, Dr. Larry and I are just going to shoot the ball about a lot wide range of issues. Uh, I am the chairman of America's PAC. I'm also the project director, senior fellow at America's Majority Foundation. And if you are on last night's show, you know I am now also a senior fellow at the Frontier of Freedom. So I'm, I'm what you call a political operative slash political nerd. And Dr. Larry. Oh, he's been, you know, he's had experience. He's got a PhD in philosophy. He's worked in the private sector. He's formed his own university. He is an author, and uh, has written, and has written a, a memoir of himself, and also is working on a second book dealing with uh, horse farms, <laughs> his, in particular his horse farm. And did I leave out anything that you want me to add, uh, Dr. Larry? No, I'm just uh uh I'm in awe of uh the uh genius of uh of uh, Mr. Donaldson. That's uh, <laughs> uh yeah, I'm 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 speechless. <laughs> yeah. Well so. I should you know, I should tell the audience that you will be joining me at the Frontier Freedom as a senior fellow. So Yes, yes we're uh, we're definitely um uh, Going to be uh, trying to uh, make a, a, a different uh, type of um, uh, uh, programming in uh, in the uh, in the uh, whole area of uh, political commentary, and so we'll try to uh, keep the keep you audience uh, abreast as uh, as things go along. I think we're just about ready to make some announcements, aren't we? Uh, like I said, we're not going to say they're going to be, uh, like I said, we're going to be holding off on uh, the, you know, the, um, you know, we will, like I say, we'll be talking more about the Frontier Freedom Project that we'll be involved in. Um, uh, so we'll, you know, keep everybody abreast on that. But like I say, we're now going to become more and more, uh, what they say, the business, political nerds. Political nerds. Well. So. Yeah. Somebody called me a nerd the other uh, one time, and I um, 
I I was quite uh, quite surprised at it, and uh, he 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 thought it was a uh, he thought it was a, a compliment. I, I I never thought of nerds being compliments. Um, yeah. So where do you come down on that? <laughs> you just called us nerds. Well, actually, no, I don't feel that is in fact a. Uh... Uh, you know, I don't. I view that as a compliment in this day and age, simply because, you know, if you ever see the movie Revert, Revenge of the Nerds, you will know the nerds <laughs> win in the end, and they even get the girl. <laughs> well, I got one girl that I don't want to give up. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, Tom. Yeah, we do. I. Uh, like I say, so far, the January 6th uh, commission in the hearings, it just seems like they're – I don't know how to say it, but it just seems like I haven't seen anything yet that would sit back and say, oh, my God. And even when you have that oh, my God movement, it basically within 24 hours seems to kind of either go in irrelevance or just playing falsehood. Uh, the latest is the – Hutchison story, and and basically within 24 hours we find out two things. Number one, that a the Secret Service denied that let's say Donald Trump actually tried to take over the the uh, bus, you know the uh, what was it? yeah the 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 vehicle that he's in the beast, and that you know what she stated did not happen. So. Whereas Jonathan Turley, a noted constitutional attorney at George Washington University, makes you kind of wonder, did she lie under oath? Uh, and number two, this is the, the other interesting story. Because here's the thing. We are told significantly big, a ton of arms, everybody's armed to the teeth. He was leading an armed brigade to the Capitol. Now, I want people to say, I, I don't know if you caught this. You know, here's the story. The Democrats' deeply flawed January 6th show by Byron York, who's the uh, Washington Examiner chief political officer. And now, we're, like I say, just imagine the scene. I mean, here's the thing. Now, he makes a couple of comments. One, he did, you know, why did he shut down the security, uh, so, you know, supposedly? And York makes this statement. For the most Trumpian of reasons, he wanted the crowd to be bigger. The rally space had not been filled that morning. And he was worried about Photoshop showing that he wasn't attracting a sellout crowd. Now, the other thing, how armed was the crowd? All right. The Justice Department has charged 874 people in the Capitol right investigation. Wow, that's a the relatively small number of them have been charged with weapons-related offenses. And the, and the title substack, charged with firearms offenses. Last October, when about 750 people had been charged, I looked through, and this is again what Byron Rook saying, I looked through every case of weapon-related offenses. Some rioters were charged with flagpoles, using shields as arms, using helmets as weapons. One rioter was even charged using a skateboard as a weapon. And another, ah, I love this one, using a desk as a weapon. Now, how do you use a desk as a weapon? I don't know. Yeah. But... And he said only five people at the time were charged possessing a firearm. One of them wasn't even in Washington, D.C. when the riot occurred. So 
That means you only had four. None was charged with using a firearm. No rioter discharged a firearm any time during the riot. Even when you had hand-to-hand combat with the various makeshift weapons that they did have. And it became intense. So many of the weapons charges were improvised, which doesn't suggest that they didn't came with a tent or arm. But it does state, you know, very clearly that the implication here is you know, that there was an armed riot ready to happen in the current. And he makes the point. Nobody fired a, fired a weapon, fire, used a firearm at all during any of this. So if they had it, they didn't use it. And I don't think anybody, you know, so you, you know, so it's, it's kind of like you got two big stories here that they're trying to make a big deal out of, and they just flopped already. Your thoughts? Well, I haven't paid too much attention to this whole thing. I think it's just so absurd that that uh, I I just refuse to waste uh, time in my life uh, trying to uh, keep track of it. But um, it's very clear to me that this that this whole thing is is a put up job, and that um, these these people are. It's just—it's really—it's really very. Um, It's—it's—it's—they're—they're uh, they're picking at straws. They—they—they they, they have no real. There's no real evidence of anything, frankly. Yeah. Uh, you had—you had the the uh, guards, uh, so-called guards of the uh, of the uh, uh, capital that were inviting people to come in. You, I mean, you see, you saw the early videos yeah. of uh, they were waving their their arms and the people were coming in and and uh, what were they doing? They were just looking around. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people had never been in the Capitol before, and they uh, they were trying to they, they were interested in finding out what was in there, uh, and so so then they decided that all these people were trespassers and therefore they're now uh, sort of a at least misdemeanor level criminals, and it's um, it's it's a simply uh, uh, it's a Soviet style uh, activity, in my opinion, and it really deserves none of the uh, airtime that it's getting. It does not even deserve to be uh, to be done. So uh, I, I I think it's just. Uh, it's just the, the whole thing is absurd, and, and they really should be spending their time trying to figure out how to keep America safe in view of the uh, uh, the other events that are uh, happening uh, in the uh, geopolitical uh, arena. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, I mean here's what I mean. This is one of those commissions that, you know, to me, you know, they never wanted to make this a bipartisan you know, let's look at the facts. Oh, I never know. Yeah, and, which is stupid. Again, like I said, I don't, you know, we condemned the what went down. We didn't sit back and say this was a great thing. But we did put it in proper context for the past you know, almost year and a half now in the sense that it was, you know, again, it wasn't even the worst riot in Washington, D.C. Uh, I oh, mean, people tend to. Not by a long shot. No. I mean, if you just go back a few months earlier. 
you know, they, you know, again, the White House was considered under siege. They had guard units coming in to protect the White House. You have a church, a historical building burned as well. So, and and so, I mean, it wasn't, you could even say it was the worst riot in Washington, D.C. dealing with the past year. Again, it doesn't excuse the behavior because as Biden works, you know, York said, you know, there were some violent, you know, you know, between you know, some of the rioters and the police. So, uh, so it was that. I mean, so there's that. But, uh, I mean, it, it, it. I guess there's a question that comes into play. It's you know, and I'm going to get more into this you know, as we go into the show. But I, I'm going to use the word scorch earth. The Democratic Party has basically embraced themselves on a scorch earth policy, namely. You know, and that is they're going to go all the way down to the fact and, you know, they, that their opponents are a bunch of insurrections, they're traitors, whatever word you want to use. But there's a scorched earth aspect to this whole thing. You know, we're not going to take defeat, hang, you know, lightly. We're going to, you know, if we need to burn things down, we'll burn it down, you know, the political process. You see that, you know, with the condemnation of the Supreme Court of being illegitimate. I don't know how many times. A day that I, you know, you know, look at some of the Twitter sites and where you hear people say, well, this is illegitimate because yeah. Trump won, did win the majority vote. And you know, what was he didn't, And he got to pick three judges, to which I say to myself, well, hey, you have an electoral college. Everybody knows how the game is played. He won the election. He really actually did win that election. It wasn't the Russians who gave it to him as the Russian collusion hoax. And there's this part of me that says, you know, once you start getting down that road of illegitimacy and destroying institution upon institution, you're not going to have much left to depend on when it comes down to judgment, to judge, to law, whatever word you want to use. You need that neutral observer, that neutral person that you can sit back and say, I'll trust what they're saying. Uh, once you destroy that aspect of it, it's gone. And from that point forward, it, it becomes a political battle, not a constitutional battle. Uh, I'm going to hold on to that thought right there because, uh, you know, we'll be right back. This is Tom Donaldson with the uh, with Dr. Larry Federa here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Yeah, this is Don, Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Piles here in the Bachelor News Radio Network. You can listen to the show any day at 11 a.m., 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Pro. Also, uh, you can buy my book, America at the Abyss, Will America Survive, at barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, libertyhillpublishingpress.com. And you can join Frontier Freedom. Frontier Freedom is a think tank on Washington, D.C. that talks about maintaining our freedoms and our liberties. Um, formed by the late Senator Malcolm Wallop and now run by President 
of the organization, George Landreth. Frontier Freedom is available. All you got to do is go ff.org, and you can donate money to the organization. ff.org. And so, now, okay. All right. Uh, okay, now I'm going to back to the scorcher. Uh, let me ask you, what's your thoughts? I mean, do you look at this camp, you know, what they're doing, whether it's a January 6th commission or whether, let's say, attacking the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. You know, it sounds like, I mean, this is a scorched earth. Let's burn it down. Your thoughts? Well, uh, it has a – you're talking about the uh, uh, ability of the uh, – or, or the principles that are involved in the uh, uh, administration, supposedly, of justice. Uh, yeah. What we what we have now is not in the in the Democrat Party is might makes right, and we are we are facing in my in my opinion the um, the type of uh, uh, totalitarian uh, use of uh, of force and use of government uh, strengths and uh, ability, particularly in the and the uh, Justice Department, both uh, FBI and and uh, the Justice Department itself, uh, for uh, the single purpose of trying to uh, accommodate the wishes and desires of uh, of uh, the Demo- uh, uh, not even the whole Democrat Party. I think it's 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 actually a uh, it's the it's the Biden wing, what I'll call the radical Biden wing of the of the uh, Democrat Party, and uh, if if we don't watch out, um, we're going to uh, you know we are we're we're going to have a lot of uh, very very Soviet type uh, or Gestapo type uh, uh, enforcement, and we've seen that we've seen uh, some examples of that already. In, in the way that some of the so-called enemies of the, uh, or, or if you want to call it pardons of the uh, of the Trump uh, uh, administration have been treated in in the you know these uh, these uh, uh, they just had one here the other day where they they took the guy at seven o'clock in the morning and they had a whole troop of uh, yeah. Uh, armed people come uh, to his door and make him go outdoors. He couldn't even get a get a robe on. Uh, it's just uh, yeah. we we really have we really have something to worry about here. And and these people are they are very uh, they're very much like the brown shirts of the of the Hitler re- uh, regime in the, in their mentality. Well, you know, I'm not gonna. I, I like I said, I think. I mean, to me. Uh, is, I mean, is, I mean, we're, what we're seeing again, you're seeing the decline of these institutions. Uh, period, and it just seems like when these guys get a hold of an institution, they send it down the toilet. I mean, we're seeing this with the military, where wokeness is more important. And actually, you know, as I like to say, you know, we have an army. You're supposed to have an army of warriors, not social warriors. And there's a point somewhere where you get you, you got to train people to win wars. Instead, we're training them how to use the correct pronouns. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's it's really quite a, quite fearsome, and and um, and I think that 
if we if we don't do if we don't find a change in uh, the Congress in this next election, uh, two more two and a half more years of this uh, dominance by the uh, Biden Biden people, um, I think would be enough really to destroy much of the uh, the uh, legacy of freedom and uh, individual uh, rights that. Uh, we have inherited from our ancestors. Uh, I think uh, I think these people are they're really moving very much toward a uh, a, a dictatorship and a, and the very the very things that they uh, were uh, accusing the Trump people of uh, doing, uh, which well, they weren't doing. Uh, these people are in fact doing it. They're they're they want to take over by force. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, again, it goes back to sports. I mean, uh, again, there's a good article here by John Turley, who is a well-respected constitutional lawyer, who I might add is a Democrat and not a Trump supporter. Uh, so we're not exactly – so we're dealing with – and I, and again, I thought he wrote a very interesting piece. Uh in this regard, he says, the crisis of faith, politicians and press escalate attacks on the legitimacy of the Supreme Court, you know, dealing with the, the most recent decision. And, and so, I mean, and it's based on the premise. I mean, here's the thing. You know, our democracy is based on the premise that despite the fractional division, the Constitution contracts, creates an interest of preserving the system. While the Constitution doesn't guarantee your bail will prevail, it is a proven, stable, successful democratic system in history. We've invested what changed to be transformational changes over the time in our laws and history. And I love this line here. Um, the Constitution is neither, is neither poetic or pretentious in its language. It was written by the ultimate wonk in Madison, James Madison. And the one thing you can recommend it, we're still here. And uh, and I think sometimes you know, people say, okay, Elizabeth Warren, that's what he also asked. Elizabeth Warren declared the Supreme Court illegitimate and is called on to back the court for rendering opinions against publicly held public opinion. Well, first of all, number one, it's not the responsibility of the Supreme Court to follow the polls. It is the responsibility of the Supreme Court to follow the Constitution. Your thoughts? Well, I think that there are a lot of other Democrats like uh, Turley that have actually uh, begun to realize that the Democrat Party has deserted them. It's uh, it's like uh, Ronald Reagan used to say, uh, you know, I... When I was a Democrat until the Democrats deserted me. I didn't desert them. They deserted me. And I think that's what's happening again. And this time it's even more uh, dire, if you will. Um, and uh, I just wonder of uh, the, 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 the thing that bothers me so much about the coming uh, – Supposing like Larry Kudlow always talks about the uh, the cavalry is coming. The cavalry is coming in uh, November only if we have a straight and honest election. Um, 
if we we had a we had a uh in my opinion we had we won the last election and we uh it got stolen from us we weren't alert enough and uh we started too late in trying to remedy the uh problem and uh that, i'm i'm afraid that can happen again well i'm going to say that, i mean here's the thing I, again i'm not going to go as far as you do to say we lost the election but we certainly will say there was a lot of voter irregularity that I will say. The other aspect I will say here is that this time around it's going to be different in this respect. I, I, I had the chance because I have a chance as a political operative to meet with a lot of different people. And I can tell you right now there's been a concerted effort among many conservative groups and re- Republicans to make sure it doesn't happen again. I'm going to go back to the state of Virginia and the gubernatorial election because I can tell you uh, – I mean, because I know that these there are attorneys, and again, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to get into. I just simply will tell people that there's been funding of attorneys whose job it is to make sure this doesn't happen again, either through lobbying efforts, through legislative efforts, or sitting there on the ground making sure. Uh, and the state of Virginia is a good example. Uh, your state of Virginia during the, the gubernatorial election, I can tell you that you had people organized to be, you know, groups who basically train people to be poll watchers, to work in election offices, to make sure that, you know, they were filled. Um, you had attorneys on the line. There was one case in Northern Virginia where they were denying people to come into the ballot, you know, to come in if they didn't wear a mask. Well, in the state of Virginia, it's against the law to tell somebody to force somebody to wear a mask to vote. And within an hour, and I mean within an hour, you know, they had, you know, en- enough complaints, you know, we're going into this, going into what I call the central office. They went to the Virginia election board and said, look, this is going on. Here's the evidence. you got to immediately get off your ass, tell Fairfax County you can't do this. And they did exactly that. And so, I mean, so this, and so there, I, I want people to understand there is a much more concerted effort, but you're absolutely right. We got caught flat-footed. I should say the Trump campaign got caught flat-footed and doing anything before, until it was too late. And that's on the, uh, and that's a, and that's on Donald Trump and his campaign. They didn't do their job in due diligence. Your job, your your point. Go ahead. Well, yeah, that's right. And uh, the irony is that he was warning against this uh, starting in in uh, June and July last time. And but instead of, uh, but for him, I think he thought it was kind of theoretical, and and he didn't really do any organizing yeah. to to. Uh, uh, defeated, but in fact it was taking place, and that whole thing about absentee uh, uh, voters—I mean, that's basically what what uh, what did the trick. He saw it. I mean, he he, used, he talked about it in his rallies, but they didn't organize to try to combat it. So, and then after it all happened, that and uh, all the the uh, ballots, all those ballots that should probably have never been. Uh, never been counted were in fact counted uh then that it was only then that they started trying to uh 
to, to change it. And, of course, by then it was too late. And I think, by the way, that that's also the one of the problems that uh, Mr. Trump has to has to get over, uh, because yeah. like people are saying now that you know he keeps talking about the fact that he lost that election uh, unfairly, and that's not where people are. Their people are looking forward and they're worrying uh, about what's going to happen tomorrow and today, and not what yeah. happened yesterday. And, so I yeah. don't know. That's uh, we'll have to see how that all comes out too. Well, you know, here's the interesting thing: like the state of Colorado, and it's interesting because it, here's what I find fact: the Democratic Party spent spent something like nearly fifty million dollars on Republican candidates in Republican primaries to, you know, an attempt to get the worst candidate possible. And they did this in, Cal- in Colorado in particular, the Secretary of State's office in the Senate race, where they literally said, "Let's go find the worst possible." Guy that we can put up as a candidate, and in both cases, those candidates lost. And and I think part of it was, you know, people in the Republicans say, no, we want to win. We want to make sure our candidates are good. And and so, with respect, and that is, is that, um, you know, uh, you know, again, that's one of those things you have to ask because we know. That they were aware of it. If you were aware of it, it's your job to do something about it. And we'll have your. We're going to follow up on that thoughts after the uh, the break here. This is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files from the Bachelor News Radio Network. You listen to the show anytime between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the BachelorNews.airtime.pro. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late-night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Yeah, Buffalo Wild Wings every Thursday has their special. You'll get one friendless chicken wing. You get a second one free. So just to let you know about that. And also, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to buy my book, America at the Abyss, Will America Survive, at barnesandnoble.com, at libertyhillpublishingpress.com, and barnesandnoble.com. And also, uh, don't forget uh, Frontier Freedom is one of the sponsors of tonight's show, a leading think tank found by the late Senator Malcolm Wallop, you know, defending freedom, liberty, and justice in the American way. Uh, go ff.org, and you can find out what's on there, so ff.org, and you can just simply push the donate button. And you can donate, you know, as much as you want, from $25 to, well, a couple hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands. It's up to you. So, and so now we're back here with Dr. Larry Peterup. For those who don't remember, Dr. Larry Peterup um, is um, basically has been one of those more experienced men around the Washington D.C. area. Uh, and there isn't anybody he really doesn't know. Uh, and oh he, well, I don't know about that, but. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, we very few people we couldn't get to, I guess, if we didn't have, if we had to. But uh, my uh, 
my my uh, website is uh, drlarryonline.com, and that really has many of my uh, columns and various other uh, types of uh, uh, things that uh, you you might be interested in, like poetry and horses and a few other things. But uh, drlarryonline.com. Yeah. Uh, so okay. go ahead. Um, I guess I guess the other uh, the other the other topic is kind of uh, lurking in the in the background of all of our uh, thoughts these days are the uh, the, the series of uh, opinions that have been uh, rendered by the Supreme Court on uh, on some critical issues, uh, and I'd like to take a take a moment to uh, talk about the. The one uh, where the uh, the main uh, school uh, uh, sure. judgment, which which said uh, the the, the uh, main uh, uh, law got uh, said that uh, they they would uh, henceforth be able to uh, uh, give the parents the uh, the uh, equivalent of. Uh, the uh, amount of money that their children would uh, be spending in the public s- schools uh, to be uh, applied to uh, private schools, and uh, and then uh, there was uh, this was taken up by people with uh, with uh, religious schools as well, and they uh, they were then sued because they were uh, for a violation of the. Uh, Church and state. That, that's not a precise uh, summary of of the case, but but the outcome was that uh, there is no basis for uh, uh, discrimination against uh, religious schools because what you're talking about is schools, not religion. And if the uh, the sponsors of the school uh, choose to uh, make that part make religious. Uh, uh, doctrines or or practices part of their uh, curriculum, then uh, that's uh, that's their their privilege because the uh, Constitution says uh, there shall the uh, government sh- shall not establish any religion, any particular religion, which means uh, you can have any religion. And uh, frankly, uh, to me, th- this this may be the most important breakthrough. In school choice movement in history, because um, that that very issue has been the uh, biggest stumbling point, both from the point of view if you were a, uh, a private school uh, in a school choice environment, uh, the question the problem was how do you get any funding, and the second problem was if you're a religious school, uh, do you uh, are you getting discriminated against? And in both cases, uh, the uh, Supreme Court now has come out and said uh, that uh, the uh, state has the absolute right of uh, distributing the funds that they collect in taxes to for school purposes as they see fit. And uh, th- there is to be no discrimination against uh, the uh, sponsors no. who might be religious. So. I think this is a, a huge breakthrough in uh, in the school choice movement, especially given the fact that uh, there's about approximately a million and a quarter 
of children uh, since the uh, since the uh, the uh, quarantine that are, are now in uh, out of the public schools and into various uh, homeschooling and uh, and other uh, schools. So anyway, I think that's an extremely important and somewhat overlooked uh, uh, judgment. I agree. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, actually, there's a lot of cases that have been like that. I mean, the gun right issues, uh, you know, the one you just mentioned, the uh, you know, the school choice program is is one of those type of deals uh, that obviously, you know, are big. I mean, in the case of this is big in the sense that because here's, again, the constant, you know, I thought that what the, the, the Supreme Court did in effect was say, look, uh, if you're going to do a school choice program, you have to. If you're going to do a school choice, you you cannot discriminate. You can't say to religious schools you're out, as opposed to not secular. And you're absolutely. This is a big victory uh, for the school choice movement. Uh, okay, go ahead. Well, you know, in, in the. Um... The Obama administration, for example, in uh, the District of Columbia, they had a very, very uh, uh, robust uh, school choice program that was emerging with a lot of private donations, and uh, and there was no tax money basically involved. All there was was uh, simply that if you wanted to uh, go to uh, one of the private schools, uh, that you would get the same kind of... Uh, academic uh, recognition that you would get in a public school. And uh, the the Obama administration made it so difficult for uh, the the lenders, uh, both through the uh, IRS and also through uh, publicity, that that the whole thing got got the whole uh, free uh, school choice program got uh, torpedoed. And that can't happen anymore if you follow the uh, the current uh, Supreme Court ruling. And I, I just think you're going to. A lot of people are very, very upset with what's happened to the uh, American Academy, and and this this may just be the breakthrough we've been waiting for. Yeah, and the other thing too, the school prayer it was a very interesting case too, because again, you know, this was uh, you know, it's just. You know, again, you know, George Landers was on the show last night, and he talked about this. And he said, "Look, this was as much a free speech issue as anything else because he was doing this after the football game on his time, essentially, and he did not. And basically, people joined him. You know, he didn't just say this was a command performance. He he started praying by himself, and then others joined him. And so, and they're basically saying, in fact, hey." Being able to have free speech in particular praying in the circumstances is you know, is acceptable and basically um, let's be blunt here if you go look at the early uh, America and the late you know early eighteenth century you know a lot of people uh, you know, i mean there's no doubt you know that religion played an important role but there was an aspect that came into play that said, you know, we respect the line, you know, we respect the fact that a the religious schools have a place in the education. Your thoughts? Well, there there's a book out 
by uh, Peter Hegsbeth, uh right now that uh, traces the uh, origin of that kind of secular thinking uh, back to the uh, Chicago School, and particularly uh, John Dewey, uh, who became very, very influential in the history of uh, uh, education, schools of education, and in uh, various, uh, particularly in state universities, but but in general. Yeah. Uh, and um, it's it's. By the way, it, it's kind of interesting because another member of that Chicago school was George Herbert Mead, who was uh, who was the founder of social psychology and who was one of the main characters of my uh, my dissertation when I <laughs> got my doctorate. So. Uh, but he was not a secularist. Uh, he was, and uh, the, the whole thing that Dewey was uh, uh, trying to promote, uh, all the social implications were not uh, shared by him. But anyway, that that Chicago school was uh, founded, was uh, funded by uh, by uh, the uh, the uh, Standard Oil uh, found the people with. All the Standard Oil money that was uh, was uh, thrown into philanthropy, uh, hmm. and uh, and now and of course it became one of the outstanding universities of uh, in the United States. Certainly in the Midwest, it was probably the greatest. But uh, anyway, that that book is uh, is very uh, uh, very very highly recommended. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, but what you're telling me. Is that the evil fossil fuel companies are responsible for this? I want to wait for that argument. I mean, can you wait for that argument? You know, that we got to stop this because fossil fuels are involved. <laughs> well, I never thought of that, but uh... yeah. But normally I wouldn't. But in this day and age, you got to. I mean, we live. In a world of insanity, where insanity is becoming the new normal, and yes, yeah. Well, but I'm I'm most I, I'm 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 very uh, indignant about a number of things. But one one thing that just stands out so obviously that it's that it, uh, it it can't go without comment, and that is. The uh, Justice Department under uh, under uh, Biden. It, talk about uh, when the Justice Department, which is supposed to be defending the uh, law of the United States of America, comes out with a, a screed of lengthy uh, dispute uh, of, on the uh, abortion uh, Roe v. Wade opinion that uh, that was uh, published with the uh, with the uh, decision. I mean, and then and and all the other stupid things they've been doing, like like uh, trying to uh, uh, consider uh, parent, parents that talk at uh, school board meetings as uh, uh, civil. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, domestic terrorists. Domestic terrorists. Uh, I mean, this guy uh, and this guy was supposed to be the he he, should, he was came uh, a hair's breadth from becoming. A member of the the, the court himself. Oh, this is uh, this is just uh, absolutely uh, intolerable. Well, yeah, it, you know, yeah. I tell you one thing. 
Say what you want to say about Mitch McConnell. The one thing he did brilliantly was get these justices on the court. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And when the time came to play hardball, he played hardball with the Obama administration in 2016. He played hardball with the Democrats during the Trump years. And uh, and there are two people – you think about that. There are two people you have to really think. You know, Donald Trump for appointing these people and basically appointing to me about as conservative of a group of justices, not just at the Supreme Court, but at the appeal courts as well as anybody, including that of Ronald Reagan, who's my favorite president. But, uh, you know, Trump's record on court appointees, in my view, is superior to even Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Or, or, or as uh, Rush Limbaugh used to say, Ronald Magnus. And, and then for also, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell. You know, he played hardball, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that after this break because I think, you know, we need to kind of, you know, you know, we need to be kind of follow up on that. This is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files, with Dr. Larry Fedora here on the Bachelor News Radio Network and the Donaldson Files. Napa know-how. The Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. That's right, Napa Know How. And also, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, you can buy my book, the latest book, America at the Abyss, Will America Survive, at barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, libertyhillpublishingpress.com as well. And uh, and don't forget, you can also join Frontier Freedom, uh, one of the, you know, a, a great think tank of conservative values, started by the late Senator Malcolm Wallop and is uh, now presided over by our good friend George Landreth. And on that, and you can go into ff.org and push that button, donate button on the right, and you can become a donor to the frontier of freedom. And uh, now we're back to okay. Now, I say to me, I thought, I mean, these two men were as about as responsible as anybody. For turning this thing around, and you got to think both of those. You know, you know, say what you want to say about Trump, he got this right, and nobody can complain. And as much as people, you know, you know, complain about Mitch McConnell, he got this right. He played hardball with the Democrats and won. He played in 2016. Yeah, we'll wait till after the election. I'm not letting you appoint a person. And being that it was Merrick Garland, now we now know, as you just stated. What kind of guy he is, you know. Thank God he's not on the Supreme Court. And when remember, uh, Harry Byrd decided to get rid of the filibuster for appeal courses, courts. So what did Mitch McConnell do? He upped the ante. Okay, this is the game you're going to play. We're playing too. We're going to and we're not and we're going to be with the Supreme Court, right? And I remember Mitch McConnell warning. Harry, you know, Harry, uh, you know, Bird, yeah. Yeah, and said, oh, Harry Reid, Harry Reid. Oh, Reed. Harry Reid, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Harry, warning Harry Reid, saying, you go through this, it's going to bite you. It bit him. 
uh, it bit them in the butt, as they say in the business. So, uh, yeah. So I mean, those I mean, those are two. I mean, it's kind of like those un. I mean, say what you want to say. I mean, this happened because of those two men. And I would add one other aspect. Go back to the Kavanaugh hearing. Most Republicans would have basically told Kavanaugh, nice try, good job, you're out of here, let's go point somebody else. Yeah. He basically, he stood his ground. He said, I'm going to stick with this guy. We're going to get this guy through. And uh, he was, uh, you know, I mean, now, uh, I mean, that's always the one quality, uh, you know, Donald Trump had is that, you know, he's the type of guy that, you know, was prepared to fight for what he, you know, for what he thought was the right course of action to take. Your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I, 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 there's one comment that I, I think is um, is a little off off the topic, but it's about Mr. Trump. I think that, that what is happening now uh, is clearly the uh, the last ditch effort of the uh, Democrat Party to uh, make uh, make it make it impossible for uh, Mr. Trump to ever uh, ever run for president again, and uh, they may or may not be uh, successful. I, th- I think that's probably. Uh, uh, and, and to some extent, his own his own uh, uh, lack of sensitivity, I think, to the uh, current current judgment. Uh, his, his judgment is uh, not quite as uh, uh, sensitive to the current ideas or the current concerns of American public. So and so on. It's not entirely uh, there. The uh, result of uh this uh anti trump campaign that is still going on yeah. in the democrat party but the fact is uh, it seems to me that um probably he is probably the the most charismatic and the most important uh politician that uh has been in 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 my lifetime except with a possible exception of John Ronald Reagan and yet, I, I think uh, I think the uh, possibility of him running again as president will be both because of his age and because of uh, the uh, the environment and the controversy that that he uh, in, that he in, engenders. Uh, he probably will not be able to get the nomination again, and uh, that I th- I consider that a real tragedy. Because he really was the guy who knew what was how to how to run the government, and he, he didn't know how to run it when he started. But and and he made a lot of mistakes in terms of the people that that he uh, that he appointed and that uh, he allowed to stay close to him. Uh, and uh, and I think he wouldn't do that again. But nevertheless, he didn't have the experience. And I think, but and I think he's not going to be able to uh, get the nomination again. And I think that 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 is kind of a it's a human tragedy because well, he, yeah, really, I, I, he really I'm gonna is say, yeah. a great. He really was a great president, and he could be again. Well, I'm gonna put. The, I'm gonna say he was a good. As I stated, 
when we ranked rank presidents and presidents, I put him ahead of Barack Obama for his accomplishments. But I also stated there were the you know the, the personality flaws, or as Rush Limbaugh, one, the late Rush Limbaugh once stated, you know the problem with uh, Donald Trump is he didn't have an off button. And you know, and, and and you could see this. He didn't have what? An off button. The off ability, button. <laughs> yeah. you know, the ability to say, okay, you know, to just discipline himself in such a way. Uh, and I think that, you know, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not going to say. In my view, is very simply put. You you make a good point in two ways. I mean, number one, they're going to basically go after this guy until the day he dies, which, by the way, I state in my book, uh, America the Best, Will America Survive? You can get on, on Amazon.com, uh, that he they're going to pursue him because he won an election he shouldn't have won, and he made changes they didn't like, and he exposed them for who they were, you know, the swamp who they were. And, and you're absolutely – and I think that's part of the issue – and I do still think that, you know, the problem – I mean, we'll see what happens in the election. But, you know, this is going to be one aspect that Republicans have to deal with is that every day, you know, you know, you know you're always going to hear somebody saying, you know, just around the corner there'll be another indictment. And, and right now he's being pursued on a multiple fronts. He's being pursued in New England by the – no, New York by the attorney general. You got a prosecuting attorney in Atlanta trying to get him on interference with the election. Uh, this entire J, you know, January 6th thing is designed to basically find charges to prosecute him right. and you know, have the DOJ go after him. And I just think this is an aspect that comes into play that we have to think about. Uh, you know, he has accomplishments, but there's a personality aspect to it too that as a leader you know that has to be part of the you know has to be part of the equation i and we'll see what happens uh but it kind of reminds me speaking of that because here's the other aspect of the parade everything that donald trump got accused of joe biden has actually done Uh, i I was going to say if you're going to talk about uh personality problems uh I think uh, the current president has far more than Mr. Trump did. Yeah. And uh, absolutely, I mean, because this is the thing. I mean, this to me is that aspect that you're absolutely right. I mean, look, I mean, one of the things, that, what did Joe Biden always say? I didn't know anything about what's going on with my son's business. Well, we got a neat, now we got a voicemail that came off from the famous laptop. And I never, you know, you know, and that is basically saying, hey, we, there's a New York story time. I, I got a chance to look at it. You're in the clear about what's going down. That means, in effect, he already knew in part what was going on with his son's business. That And you got to remember, his son was doing this while he was in an office. Now, not just in 2000, this was in 2018, but you got to remember, he was doing this business-wise, including with the Chinese, with the Ukrainians, with the Russians, uh, when Joe Biden was vice president. Oh, yeah, it goes back even farther than that. It goes back even farther than that. In other words, they took advantage of of Joe Biden's position, and Joe Biden allowed it to happen. Whether or not it's illegal, illegal is one thing. 
that I'm not going to state. What I will state, it is outright corruption. No question, and you know the um, the the land the landmarks of uh, the of Trump uh, the Trump administration. Uh, you can you can go right down right down the list. Uh, you know, energy independence, energy supremacy, yeah. uh, you, the, uh, the tax and regulation. Uh, 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 you know, abatements and 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 so on, and uh, you know he he you just look at at the outline of his uh, administration, and you can the uh, you can see that that is how the uh, Republicans in the future are uh, are going to be uh, are going to be uh, operating, and 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 it's 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 all really because of him. And uh, and and all these younger guys coming coming around, you know, they're all they're all actually uh, they're Trump they're Trump they're Trump uh, uh, people. They're, yeah. they're, they're they're they learn how to do how to do uh, the presidency from Mr. Trump, even though Mr. Trump is uh, probably personally not going to be able to to get it. But it's uh, you know it's really kind of a it's kind of a Greek tragedy. Well, it's a Greek tragedy because like there's, as, there's aspects of it that he did to himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah but so then, really but then, I yeah. mean, look at look at uh, look at other presidents. Uh, look at uh, Nixon and look at uh, 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 you know all these uh, uh, Hillary or the Clintons and I mean, uh, there's no none of these people are 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 pure. Sure, uh, and the other thing is, this guy really does love America. Yeah. He really puts America first, yeah. and he taught well, us yeah. all how to do that. No, I think. I mean, this, like I say, there's an aspect to. I've always stated with the, with Donald Trump is he always asks the right question. Uh, he may not always have the right answer, but he asks the right questions that need to be asked. And you sit back and you think about it, the energy independence. The energy independence is a good example of what you just brought up because, again, I can't think of any of the, with the possible exception of Ted Cruz, any of the other candidates of 2016 that would have torn up the Paris Treaty that would have gone completely all in on energy independence. And also China, you know. Nobody, and China. Nobody, yeah. nobody thought China was bad until he got into it. Yeah. And so – and so, absolutely correct. And so, I mean, those are the aspects that come into play. Uh, I mean, there's a legacy that's there. We'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens. But first, we have to get to 2022. And yeah. that's not a gimme. Uh, I think we'll do well in the House. But the Senate is still, there's a shaky side to the Senate, uh, which we don't have time to get into tonight. But what I am going to do is, since we're about at that point of the show, to say goodbye uh, this is Tom Donaldson. I want to thank Dr. Larry for joining me. This is Tom Donaldson on the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. <laughs>